this is Interfaith Talk Radio being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk 1150 AM and streaming worldwide at interfaithtalkradio.com. We're engaged in an expanding dialogue on interfaith understanding and the celebration of our shared spiritual quest. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon of Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church in Seattle. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. Did you get his whole thing or just the first? You got the whole thing. Okay. Here in the studio, we just heard the last part of Pastor Don McKenzie, so we're going to have to catch up on his first name when we get to the next break. We're here talking about ethical and spiritual aspects of leadership today, and we've got a couple of uh, guests from the Center uh, for Ethical. So we will be talking to Steve Stapleton and Karma Ruder. They are the holders of a confluence, which is a gathering that is happening in Seattle this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This Thursday, Friday, and Thursday, Saturday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we're going to be talking about what's happening there and some of the aspects of ethical leadership in itself. So, Karma and Steve, welcome to the show, and perhaps one of you would like to talk a little bit about what the nature of the Center for Ethical Leadership is about. Thank you. The Center is committed to working with people who are seeking how to identify their core values and put them into their life in every aspect, at home, at work, and in community. And it is the search for people to really create meaningful lives that are fully inspirited in how they come to their their being in the world. So it's not just for leaders of specific communities. It's for anybody. Well, we actually believe that everybody has the capability to step into being a leader and that part of tapping into core values is it, it is part of the way that you um, identify what you care about enough to step into, to take courageous action, to find your your hope uh, and your courage to make a difference in the world. We are about uh, people who want to advance the common good and are interested in leadership that is going to move something that matters in the world. Mm. Great. You know, a lot of people, Karma and Steve, um, uh, identify ethics with, at least with religion, if not spirituality, and I'm just wondering uh, where you make that connection in a way, and I, I know that you do, so that people can feel included in, in the center rather than maybe I'm not, maybe I don't belong there because my values are coming from a different place. I mean, how do you talk about that? Well, I'll give it a shot. Um, we, we talk about letting people sort of rediscover or discover for themselves their own core values and where it comes from in their own life and then help them ha- uh, develop the courage to to live out those values on a daily basis. So it's not a prescribing values that 
we think everybody should have, but letting people come to it on their own of what it is that they hold true in their heart and how they want to be in the world. And we found that in large groups of people, often it only takes four or five values to really unite the whole group. Hmm. Um, that when it gets boiled down to two or three values, uh, we're all really connected um, on a couple of basic things. So the Center for Ethical Leadership has been around for how long? We've been <coughs> around for about 15 years. And we do work um, with communities. We do work with institutions and organizations. Uh, we do work with individuals. So it's people who are seeking to make a difference in their lives. Great. So all of you who are listening, <clears throat> we are uh, the three of us are talking to Steve Stapleton and Karma Ruder of the Center for Ethical Leadership, and we want to let you know that you are invited to join us not only by listening to our conversation, but you're welcome to call in with any questions you might have for Steve and Karma or uh, for us as well. And you might want to jot down the number of the station, which is 425-373-5527, 425-373-5527, or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. Remind you as well that you can find those numbers or any other information about us on the website at interfaithtalkradio.com, as well as leave us any questions you'd like us to deal with on the air or any comments you have about the show. So, Brother Jamal. I've had the joy of um, attending one of those conf programs some years ago. I always jokingly say when my hair was black at that time. <laughs> but uh, what I wanted to ask was, uh, many years ago, you were both there, both mm-hmm. Karma and Stephen. And my question is, uh, being immersed in this very wonderful center, Center for Ethical Leadership, and working with these core values, how has working in this center and doing the confluences, how has it personally, shall I say, splashed in your chest, affected you, transformed you personally, on a personal level? One of the things that I most love about working on the confluence is that we create these topics by being in conversation with our community partners. So there are several months before we actually offer this to the community where the partners who are helping to shape it do a deep reflection And whatever the topic is, whether it is about poverty or creating community or creating authentic relationships, or in this case, what is inspired action and how we can move the systems that matter, over that time, we're really doing our own work to confront our own issues. And so each time we do this work, whatever it is, I learn something that is very important to me. Um, When we were doing one on authentic relationships, and how do we create those and create trust so that we can actually build the communities that we dream of? I had to confront some of my mm. own places where I have hidden or where I have not been up front with people because it was safer for me to be there. And that event made me confront some of my own places to become more authentic in how I present myself in the world. For this one, as we're talking about patterns and habits and how do we become in the same tracks, even though they don't get us as far as we want them to. 
I've had to face a number of different um, personal patterns that I keep running into mm. that keep me doing the same kinds of things. So this whole reflection in the process of putting this together has made me ask questions about where is my heart and how do I hide from myself um, and when am I willing to really give something up? What does it take to have – what do I need to believe in that's more than myself in order to be willing to actually make a change? Wonderful. And in this particular confluence happening on Thursday, there will be a lot of this inner work that will be uh, yes. done? Yes. So the – that we have this incredibly richly diverse community of people who are coming. And one of our core beliefs at the center is that when you bring in a segment of the whole community, you learn in a way that is very different, that the meeting people who see the world differently and meeting them face-to-face so you cross the barrier of stereotypes and step into the connection heart-to-heart, person-to-person, opens up learning in a way that just doesn't happen if you stay in your head. Mm -hmm. So how do you drop to the place of heart and of spirit and be open to how that can transform your belief? So the community conversation for this was really geared around, we have all of these people who are working so hard to make differences that we care about, and yet the systems don't seem to shift. How is it that we need to look at ourselves and the role we play in these systems, how can we learn from others' perspectives to question those patterns and those habits that keep us from really being open to a different possibility of action and a different possibility of connection? Boy, I really appreciate that. It really keeps coming back to ourselves and looking at where the blocks are inside. We've got somebody on the telephone. We've got Sally Joe. Are you there? Yes, I am. Um, hi, I, I have to turn my radio off because it's distracting me. Um, I've been listening to your show since its inception. I want to thank you all for the wonderful work you're doing. And I find it really fascinating and enlightening. Um, you all bring wisdom, such wisdom and sensitivity to this, this complex subject. Good, I'm grateful good, for your groundbreaking good, work. Good, good start of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had to get all that out because I've been thinking about it every week and haven't uh, called in yet. There is a question, though, that I've been struggling with uh, for a long time. Maybe you all can throw some light on this subject. Um, My question concerns the intersection between religion and politics, which I just heard you start to bring up a little bit. And today I notice you're talking about leadership. And I... You know, I consider all three of you, Jamal, Ted, and Don, all to be prominent religious leaders in the community. And I'm wondering if you feel that you have a role or maybe even a responsibility to help people gain insight and understanding about political events and movements in the world. If so, you know, what is what is your role and your responsibility? And if not, why not? I'll just, just start off. I, I think that that's part of the reason why we have Karma and Steve on the show today, because we believe there is a relationship between these values that um, that become a part of uh, ethical leadership, and um, the, that is the role of uh, the behavior in, in public and what we believe and so forth. And um, as Ted said at the beginning of the show, we're trying to create... Um, 
uh, an, uh, an arena for a kind of spiritual awakening that will have an impact on, on the social uh, life of, of the country and the world in a time when we desperately need more cooperation, compassion, reconciliation, justice, and so forth. Um, and it feels to me as if this is a question, Sally Joe, that can be answered by either Karma or Steve because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to help people to make these connections by helping them to start with the inner work that they were just talking about. I'm going to shift for just a moment to talk about another piece of work we do, which is on collective leadership and uh, working with communities around the country um, on behalf of the Kellogg Foundation. We're doing a session this this uh, right now that is about youth and adult partnerships to advance just communities. And one of the communities we're working with is the Lummi community. And when we talk to them about, um, you know, asking them to define justice, it was just blow away to me that their first question was, how can we be justice so that when we start to make changes in our systems, they flow from what it means to live justice and how do we start with ourselves. So I definitely, you know, again, and I actually heard this question <laughs> being directed to others, so I don't want to take too much of this, but I, I actually believe that there is um, a right action that flows out of that centering of values and that centering of spirit and that being open to understanding what we are called to do and that that definitely moves into the arena of the systems that are in place and how we interact with them in order to make changes. I'd like to add to that what you're saying, Karma, from a spiritual perspective. Uh, there's a verse in the Quran which says, every so where you turn is the face of Allah. You know, in India, for example, the symbol of spirituality is a lotus flower. But they say, notice that it has a stem which goes deep inside the mud. So it's the mud of daily existence which makes possible the spiritual flower. The mud of daily existence is as sacred, as holy as that flower itself. So politics is also very sacred, very spiritual. It's about human relationship and relationship to whatever you might call that, divine, which could translate into uh, the ethics, the part about compassion, about justice, in how we really relate to one another, and that is a function of our inner work. And there's always a difficulty of how change comes about. And what happens when we get involved in a political debate is often we enter in with a kind of upset and anger that in a strange kind of way keeps the problem manifesting rather than really allowing uh, a different way of being and a solution to unfold. We are political beings. I mean, it's part of how uh, we are in life and it's part of how we are in community. And it's always a question of can we work for change relying on our vision of the world we'd like to see and the world we'd like to live in rather than working for change by getting upset and angry at the conditions that are now before us. Um, I'm one of those, for example, who doesn't believe that killing can ever lead to peace or that hating can ever 
lead to love. But uh, this uh, last Friday night, we welcomed a young man back from Iraq into our congregation. And the whole congregation rose to give him a standing ovation and tell him how glad we were that he was back and spent some time later looking at some of his slides and we will get together so he can talk to us about his experience. That doesn't mean we're in favor of the war. It means we're in favor of people and we want to support and connect with those people. Eric is telling me that um, we're long past our normal break time, so enjoy the break, and we'll be back with Karma and Steve. Thank you for your phone call, Sally Joe. We'll be right back. Commonly known as NICO, Northwest Interfaith Community Outreach traces its history to the first anniversary of 9-11. Committed to promoting interfaith dialogue and understanding, its purpose is captured in its mission statement, celebrating spirit through interfaith collaboration and compassionate works of justice in the world. For information on how to get involved, go to interfaithtalkradio.com and click on NICO. Hey, Julie, where have you been? Benny, I just returned from a fabulous seminar with Karen Ramsey, learning about how my relationship to money is holding me back from living the life I want. Well, I can't seem to save enough money to contribute to an IRA these days, but I think, you know, it's just too late to start now. Well, Benny, I see that you just bought yourself a latte this morning. And how many times a day do you do that? Uh, I'd say like two or three times a day, but I mean, seriously, what's your point, Julie? If you save the money you spend on just one latte a day, you'd easily be able to contribute $1,400 dollars a year to your IRA. No kidding. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Well, Karen Ramsey says it's never too late to start no matter where you are. And the sooner you start, the better. Well, you know, that's fine with people with money, but how can someone like me afford financial advice from someone like Karen Ramsey? Well, you don't need to be wealthy to get excellent financial advice. In fact, why not tune into her new show beginning October 12th and learn about the myths about money that keep us from living the lives we're meant to live. And visit her on the web at caringmoney.com. That's caring money.com. Okay, everyone, listen up. Dr. Pat brings you her favorite organic wines from the Organic Wine Company direct to you for this limited time special offer. Would you like to enjoy the luscious taste of natural grapes grown with love for the land and tantalizing your taste buds at the same time? Well, Dr. Pat has selected three of her favorite wines for only $49, a 40% savings. Visit www.thedrpatshow.com and click on Dr. Pat's Picks for this special offer. Or you can call 1-888-326-9463. You don't have to be a monk living in a monastery and meditating daily to understand that you are truly a divine spiritual being. Be one of the first to experience this breakthrough workshop with Dr. Pat Basili. Street Smart Spirituality, the three secrets to living life full out. Join our very own Dr. Pat on November 11th or November 12th at The Gathering in the Linwood Convention Center as she joins Dan Millman and others for this transformative weekend. Dr. Pat will introduce you to the power of busting through the crust and the importance of being direct and clear, street smart, when you're connecting to the energy of the universe. Are you ready to live life full out? Well, then this workshop is for you. Select this as one of your five workshops when you sign up for this weekend. Visit www.thegathering.cc or call 206-255-2500 to register now. That's www.thegathering.cc or call 206 255 
No other station brings you this much variety. Welcome to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And you're here with Interfaith Talk Radio. And we are here with Steve Stapleton and Karma Ruder from Center for Ethical Leadership. And the we who are here with Karma and Steve. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman. I'm Pastor Don McKenzie. And uh, we share together every week, Mondays from 5 to 6, here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, a deepening dialogue on interfaith understanding and learning how we might better share the spiritual quest each of us are on. And as long as I'm talking at the moment, I'd like to share a few words as well about Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue, where authentic spiritual traditions support a universal spiritual awareness. No matter what your background, you may find inspiration as we celebrate together. The Beit Aleph experience includes song, meditation, and a meditative approach to worship and ritual. It's a place dedicated to your spiritual evolution. You can find out more at jewishspiritualcommunity.com, jewishspiritualcommunity.com. And I'd also like to say that we are still looking for one sponsor, I think, to help us stay on the air. And you're welcome to connect with us through the website, interfaithtalkradio.com, or find Ted Falcon or Jamal Rahman or Don McKenzie in the phone book and give us a call and find uh, out a way where you can share your message, your services, or your product with the audience that we talk to every week. So we're in the middle of a conversation talking about the nature of ethical leadership. We just had a wonderful phone call pointing us toward the relationship between religion and politics and the dilemmas of leadership in that realm. And during the break, I, I turned to Stephen Karma and I, you know, I asked them how, uh, you know, what kind of leadership the three of us are showing in terms of the radio show. And Steve told me, well, he, what they do a lot is judge. <laughs> And, you know, which obviously is one of the issues, because whether we want to or not, our minds always are judging. And what you have been talking about is discovering a kind of authenticity that arises behind, beneath, beyond all those voices of judgment, so that something's awakening a kind of integrity integrity that I'd like you to focus a little more on in terms of how you see that and what mechanisms you utilize or will utilize in the confluence to help others recognize that in themselves. I think that um, you hit a very good point, and one of the exercises that we did as a design group when we were planning our upcoming confluence was to try to take a, a point of time in the, um, over the, the period in between our meetings and um, find a time when we were 
judging something and try to let that go and just let the judgment come into our mind but let it go and and see how what happened in the moment and uh, the stories that we got from the rest of the design committee was how hard it it is to do that to recognize the judgment in the moment um and, and then once the the few people who were able to do it uh, talked about a, a very freeing sense of letting it go and mm-hmm. um you know the power that comes from that and i think one of the tools that that we use to really get at that in a short period of time during a retreat setting is through storytelling and personal sharing with with other people to not just hear an answer from someone about you know a label of what they are or what they do uh, but to understand where that comes from in them and their being that uh, brought them to that place in their life or to that um, line of work or to that the feelings of compassion that they might have for uh, for certain things mm-hmm. when you when we talk about judging a lot of times we think of negative judgments mm-hmm. and we think positive judgments are okay negative judgments are not okay and i wonder if we can ever just do positive judgments or whether when we look at judgments we have to be willing to release both I think it's a good exercise to try to release both. And definitely, I think you bring up a good point that not everything is just negative or just mm-hmm. positive, but there are the, the two sides. And I, I recall from our conversation, someone bringing that up in our design committee and, and talking about how the judgment uh, often helps them feel safe, that they have to make that judgment of a situation and to let it go was, uh, you know... It, Perhaps the instance was uh, making a judgment not to walk down a dark alley mm-hmm. at night. And they didn't know anything was going to happen, but they made the judgment to do it. And pe- perhaps letting go of that judgment and doing it. But I don't know if that's have... a judgment or a decision. <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, I'm not... I think the other, the other um, <clears throat> related um, activity that we want to invite people into is really doing that same reflection about their beliefs. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of discussion about when is a belief something that gives you support, gives you courage, helps you do what you know needs to be done in the world, and when is a belief something that actually limits you and holds you back and keeps you from actually being open to something else that is wanting to happen. So we're going to do some activities that are helping people explore that edge. We... we, Instead of looking at it as positive or negative, what is it that it does to you in the moment? So how do you help people see that? Well, we're going to – I think that a big part of the way that that works is in people, first of all, reflecting on their own and then being with others who carry different beliefs and seeing a reflection back from different beliefs and also being open to exploring what does it mean to see somebody who sees something that's very different, and how does that help you reexamine what your own belief is? And are you holding a judgment about somebody else's belief rather than connecting at their heart or their spirit or understanding how that different belief makes sense in a different context to them? So I think the reflection of a, another person is a great source of learning. Great. So we're going to take a break again because we went so long before our first break. 
Um, we'd like to encourage you to listen to the messages of our sponsors and notice the judgments you make. And just uh, kind of hang out with us for a little while. We'll be back with Steve and Karma. We'll be right back. The Rocky Mountain Mystery School is here to open the doors for all who seek greater empowerment and meaning in life. It holds and teaches the keys to hidden knowledge, wisdom and tools of power of the ages. We offer ancient teachings for modern times to all true seekers and will be in Seattle November the 8th through the 12th to bring these tools to you. Go to mysteryschoolnorthwest.com for more information. That's mysteryschoolnorthwest.com. Unity of Bellevue is an inclusive community for spiritual growth, where all are valued, where positive attitudes are developed, where spiritual laws of life are taught, where consciousness is cultivated, where self-awareness is enhanced, and where the bonds of fellowship are enriched. Join us for our Sunday celebrations on Bellevue's east side. Visit our website at www.unityofbellevue.org. Do you suffer from stress, headaches, back pain, digestive pain, or other chronic problems? Allow Sue Woodward to help you realize the vitality and wholeness your body naturally wants to express using gentle, restorative methods. Sue invites you to call her at the Acupuncture and Healing Arts Clinic for a free consultation. 425-451-8129. That's 425-451-8129. Many people who come to a Unity Church feel like they've come home. We invite you to one of the many great Puget Sound Unity Churches in Bellevue, Edgewood, Kent, Linwood, Seattle, or Woodenville. For links to these Unity Churches and others, visit unity.org. We welcome you to join us at Unity of Woodenville. Visit unityofwoodenville.org. Open your ears, open your heart, open your mind. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, and I'm here with Brother Ted, Brother Don, and I am Brother Jamal. And we have two very special guests from the Center for Ethical Leadership, Karma and Stephen. And I have a question for both of you. Uh, Don brought up the point about the source of values, He mentioned religion, spirituality, and do you base it on certain religions, certain spiritual paths? And you both said that uh, your program is based on core values. My question is, but where do you get these core values from? Well, as Steve was talking about when he was starting to introduce this, we don't believe that we are in the place to tell other people what their core values are. We have a very deep belief that when people go into reflection, when they are really opening to their own inner knowledge, their own inner spirit, that there is a knowledge inside each of us about what is most important, what matters, and how we wish to be in the world. But even that is a core belief. 
That is a core belief. And, and so the, just to follow up on Brother Jamal's question is, how do you get to that? Because a good deal of the world takes their core belief from some authority, you know, from some book. Or thinks they do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Y- y- right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it sounds like you're, like, where do you get that core belief? Well, and I, I think that um, there are probably different answers for different people about how they come to that in their own life, whether it comes from an experience or from an inner spirit or from something they were taught. And what, what we, because we are not in the business of judging, what we invite people to do is really invite deep reflection about who is it that you really are and how does how do you manifest that in the world and if you believe that love is a core value what is the practice of your life on a day-to-day basis that reflects that if you believe what does love mean to you and how do you understand that in the company of others because that reflection again of the learning that happens between people who may have different perceptions about what that value means is a way to deepen your own sense of who you are, what you're about, and what it means to live that in your day-to-day life. Where are you spending your money? Where are you spending your time? How does that day-to-day practice really make a statement about what you want to be in the world and what you want to have happen? What I hear you saying, Karma, is that regardless of your religion, you both believe, you and Stephen, and the center, that deep within every single human being is a divine spark, is some divinity. And if you can somehow, through some technique, get in touch with that, it'll bubble up those core values, which are universal. Have you ever, Karma or Stephen, discovered that someone had a core value that was not, in fact, ethical, or that is, it didn't contribute to the common good, something like that. I mean, I get the sense mm-hmm. that you're talking about the deeper we go, the more we that the values we have actually are ethical, that they really do contribute to the common good. You could just talk about that for a second. Uh, I have a little bit of a story, and I think this touches on what you're talking about. Before I get into it, I wanted to make a slight plug for ourselves. Um, if any of the listeners want to go to our website, which is ethicalleadership.org, and they scroll down to the bottom of the first page, we actually have a link to a core values exercise that we use. And so they can go on, and um, it's a brief exercise, and it just guides them through one method of determining, or as we say, rediscovering, because people know them, but it's a matter of resurfacing what their core values are. And um, we've done this with hundreds and thousands of groups of people, over the 15 years that we've been around. And I was uh, doing it with one group of high school students. Uh, This is probably five or six years ago. And they were going around because one of the steps is after you find them that you stand up and you put your voice to it and you say, hello, my name is Steve Stapleton and my core values are love and balance. And we were going around around the room and many people have were coming up with values of love and family and uh, faith and spirituality and um, freedom, wisdom, truth, things like that. And there was one young man who's, uh, he was 15 or 16 years old, and he said wealth and power were his core values. Mm-hmm. And the room kind of was quiet. And just the next step is to meet with somebody or talk with somebody and share a little bit about your values, what they mean to you, where they come from. And he said that, he chose wealth and power because his experience in the world was such that 
he wanted to make a difference. He wanted to make the world a better place. And he felt like what he needed to do that was wealth and power because that's what he saw as being influential in how the world operated. And so that came out of a very virtuous place <laughs> to him that, you know, to, to, it was for the common good. But the, the values themselves didn't necessarily sound like what we would expect. I think something we always talk about, the difference between form and essence. Mm -hmm. The form could be wealth, but in essence it's really to enrich, mm -hmm. uh, to go deeper with it. The essence is very beautiful, yeah. uh, going deeper with the form. I think that's it. What is it that makes it so difficult for us to learn? <clears throat> you know, that makes it so difficult for us to kind of trust that that integrity within ourselves, to trust it within each other, to create communities w of trust, to project it out onto others, you know, as valuable human beings. What makes it so enticing and so compelling instead for us to kind of leap on uh, the bandwagons of hate and distrust and suspicion? So, um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, it's There's something about the journey that we are all on as human beings and where we have been. And that journey from how we move from fear, how we move from uh, the contraction of our soul and our spirit and the forces that keep us small into stepping into something that is profound and big and recognizing the interdependence it's such a different journey for every person. And um, it's, I, in my experience, people really want to find that place which gives them that essential centeredness, mm -hmm. that love, that peace, and that connection. And there's so much harm that has happened to people in this world, so much in the ways that we have created systems that oppress, that discriminate, uh, that don't necessarily reward people for being vulnerable, for being open, for taking risks, um, that there is a lot to unlearn uh, about the world before we can step into those places. And and that – so wherever, wherever somebody is on that journey, wherever they step in, whatever they claim is their value – part of it is the journey, that we are moving in a direction and we believe that as we – become in the field of others who care about that which is greater as one of our values at the center is about interdependence as we see more about the effects of what we do and how they relate to others we do believe that people want to step into that place of healing and of connection and of interdependence and we have lots of evidence that that's true and it's a lot to let go of all of the experiences that cause people to move to fear and to anger and to hatred because there's some real reasons for those <laughs> mm -hmm. showing yeah. up in the world. <clears throat> Just to press Ted's great question and your response a little bit further, I was thinking as you both were talking that, you know, my core values as a Christian person have to do with love, which I believe God is, and the consequences of love, cooperation, compassion, reconciliation, forgiveness, justice, and so forth. And and so there's a theological dimension to all that. But I also think to myself, I also value the conviction that I am incomplete. Mm -hmm. 
which is not a theological value. It's a human value. And in fact, I do behave that way until I go deeper and get underneath that. And I realize that's my ego, you know, yelling at me. Uh, to, if I just had that other thing, whatever that might be, I would be the person I dreamed of becoming and I'd be happy, blah, blah, blah. And, and yet, and I think a lot of people are there, you know, and there are lots of biblical stories that illustrate that and so forth. So so it's clearly the going deeper, getting underneath uh, that ego thing mm-hmm. that I, I hear that you guys are doing that is so encouraging that is, you know, what we what we need so badly in, in the public arena is to help people to take those steps to get underneath the ego and so forth. And, and people want to do that. Mm-hmm. There is a hunger for that. Mm-hmm. There's a calling from within. Yeah. Is a natural desire. And also I would say part of it is part of, you might say, the great grand divine design. In the Quran there's a verse which says that God says, of everything we have created opposites. So you may know that only God is one. So that is always going to be there. And our conditioning, I feel, is such that we react from a place of negativity. And to go beyond that requires very hard but very loving, but very inconvenient work that each one of us has to do, which Confluence is doing. And we are about to go into um, our final break, and Brother Don actually is going to take us into the break. And how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to say what these people are doing, ladies and gentlemen, is so needed that we want you to think about going to that Confluence Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we'll be right back. Are you ready for the 12-minute Simone Zone miracle? Transform any self-defeating internal images into spectacular masterpieces of happiness and success in only 12 minutes. The Simone Zone is a revolutionary empowerment technique that uses cutting-edge audiovisual technology. Get ready to shift negative energy and change it to positive energy now. Visit thesimonezone.com and try this free technique. That's thesimonezone.com. Mark your calendars now for Friday, November 3rd for a life-affirming workshop with Jamal Rahman at the Bellevue Sheraton, 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. Appreciation in action, using gratitude as a catalyst for positive change. Jamal will energize and excite you with his insights and understandings of the power of gratitude. A popular speaker, author, and nationally recognized spiritual leader, Jamal conveys the essence of core values for true success, optimal productivity, and for staying peaceful and centered on our chosen path. Enjoy Jamal's humor, wit, and dedication to making this world a better place by helping us to show up as our radiant selves. Learn ancient techniques from his Sufi tradition that work to connect you with your creative potential and authentic self. This workshop is being sponsored by the Parrot Coaching Institute. That's Friday, November 3rd at the Bellevue Sheraton. Call the PCI to register, 425-401-1519. That's 425-401-1519. 
The United Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.orgindex.php. We wish you blessings for your life. Are you ready to kick your life up a notch? Tired of just surviving? The award-winning Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, is your way to living the life you want without regrets, without limitations. This empowering, inspirational show with dynamic host Dr. Pat Basili will leave you shouting, yes, I can. Dr. Pat is a master career and belief coach, dynamic seminar leader, and creator of Crustbusting. Listen to the Dr. Pat Show on AM 1150 KKNW, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, and worldwide on www.thedrpatshow.com. More talk, less rock. Come on, that's a good thing. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to Interfaith Talk Radio. I'm Rabbi Ted Falcon. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman. I'm Pastor Don McKenzie. And we are here every Monday afternoon from 5 to 6, talking about issues of interfaith understanding and spirituality. We're here today with Steve Stapleton and Karma Ruder of the Center for Ethical Leadership. And we're having a very stimulating conversation. And in the break, I wondered, were, were, were roles reversed? And were they in a position right now to be asking us questions rather than sitting here and us ask them questions? What would they want to ask? And I'm very curious how you would answer the questions that you've been asking us around your take on where values come from and how you see this playing out in the world. You know, as um, you were talking, asking that question, two quotes came to mind. One is by Prophet Muhammad who said that uh, a teacher simply kindles the light the oil is already in the lamp. That's one. And that's what you know. all these teachers are doing, all these conferences, all these retreats. The other one is by Rumi who says, You know the value of every article of merchandise, but if you do not know the value of your own soul, it's all foolishness. So the first step and last step is really to get to know oneself to be compassionate with oneself, to love oneself. Like Prophet Muhammad said, two things we need to do. One is, know yourself and you shall know thy Lord. You become more complete. And second one is, die before you die. Die to your false ego, to your false self, before you die a physical death. So no matter how the form is of the retreat or the work, this inner work has to be done. And in uh, in my tradition, one of the truths is that spiritual learning is a different kind of learning than any other. All other kinds of learning come to us from the outside in. We can find a book. We can find a teacher. But spiritual learning awakens from the inside out, and it awakens from the inside out because we already come equipped with everything that we need. It's not something added to. It is, in fact, the foundation having to do with the nature of our identity. And what's involved in 
awakening to that is letting go of some of the limitations that we have created with our notions of who we are and how we are in the world, who the other is and how they are in the world, and beginning to trust uh, more and more a, a natural integrity that awakens. The most profound line that is uh, the central affirmation of Jewish identity, the central meditation, starts with the word Shema, which means listen. Mm. And it's essentially saying, look, you're going to have to be quiet. You're going to have to stop talking all the time, and you're going to have to stop going to the outer world all the time. And you're going to have to start listening to what is happening inside yourself. What are your yearnings? What is bubbling up? What is seeking to be heard in you? Then, in addition, I would, Jamal and Ted have said the, the standard answer for the source of values would be Scripture, the Quran, um, the Bible, Hebrew Scripture. Um, but in the conversations that we've been having, um, we've been getting to the point where we would not pinpoint one verse and say, this is the source of my belief about this, because it's too easy to turn it around and, and so forth. Even though, for example, uh, in my tradition, I would know about compassion because of the story of the Good Samaritan. I would know about forgiveness because of the prodigal son. I would know about the depth of the importance of love from the phrase, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. But I think what we're realizing, uh, all of us together as we work together, is that the, the, the way the authority of Scripture works is not verse by verse, but rather by ultimately creating a sensibility or a way of understanding experience that is rooted both in the actual texts and in the experience we've had with other people listening to and talking about and experiencing the consequences of, of those texts. And so... Um, you know that's a source of values, but it's it it tries it goes deeper, I think, than than we ordinarily give it credit for. It's this also, is very, we, yeah. uh, we look at our own scriptures and we find things in our scriptures with which we agree and with which we disagree. I look at my scriptures certainly, and find there are some things that were supposedly good to do three thousand years ago, twenty five hundred years ago that. Um, I, I just can't buy into. And I can say, all right, I appreciate that there's a part of me, you know, when I get into my ego and when I get into us, them, and when I get into it's either me or them, I can get into that space, but I know that space is not the space of healing. Hmm. I know that space is not the space of wholeness. So there's something... It seems to me there's something we come equipped with which allows us to recognize which which allows us to recognize true scripture whether it erupts in our own texts in another's texts or from the lips of some person we're talking to you know allowing scripture to be that which cuts through the obfuscation, the unclarity, the cloudiness, and just opens it right up with something that is undeniably true, which just splashes in your okay. chest. And this is where interfaith comes in. 
Because truly, if we are genuinely open to the beauty and wisdom of other traditions, it allows us to go deeper into our own scriptures. As we always say, eternally I'll say that, interfaith is not about conversion, it's about completion, becoming a more authentic, complete human being. And I would even go so far as to say that 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 this is what you all are describing is a part of what it means to be human, that every human being, no one except, has what you have described, this sort of general predisposition to understand what that placing of healing is, how love works with that, how a community works with that, and so forth. And that, I mean, many the behavior of many people doesn't seem to illustrate that, but the whole process of going deeper gets us into that. And that's a good bit of what I think all five of us are about. Yes. I wonder what our guests think about all this, what you're saying. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm remembering a, a story that Bill Grace, um, I mean, this is a story that, is from a scripture. Bill used to be the executive Bill director. Bill Grace used to be the executive director and the founder of the Center for Ethical Leadership. And we did a confluence on poverty. And as we were doing some of the follow-up reflections that came out of that event, he um, would say to people, I think about the story of um, Moses leading uh, the Jewish people out of Egypt and the role of the Pharaoh. And he said, in that um in that story, we tend to always identify with um, the the people, the Jewish people who have been enslaved and are stepping into their freedom and leaving. He says, but when it comes to the issue of all the roles that we play in keeping poverty in place, how many of us identify with the Pharaoh right. that is inside of us? Mm-hmm. And are we really willing to confront what we do in our own lives that keep the systems in place, yep. that we are, all, we are all part of this dance, that we are interconnected mm-hmm. not only in the sense that we have a splash of the heart that we recognize across difference, but we also are all interconnected in how we keep right. <laughs> the this systems is... in place that impoverish. Right. And My, there, the Torah is the first five books of the Hebrew Bible is split into sections. You read every week. So everybody's got a birth portion, the portion that was read during the week of your birth. And the the portion for me is called Bo. It's in Exodus. And it starts with Bo El Paro, which is usually translated go to Pharaoh, you know, where God is talking to Moses. But the fact is Bo doesn't mean go. It means come. It means come in. So in the com- some of the commentators say, We've got to come into the Pharaoh inside ourselves if we are to free ourselves. There's the old saying, it's easy to get the the Jew out of the enslavement of Egypt. It's hard to get the enslavement out of the Jew. You know, just moving circumstances that we we play all characters. It's one of the hardest things for us to appreciate. Brother Tell, I wonder this time for a very brief practice by Brother Stephen. I think maybe I'll do that brief okay. practice. Um, so as you think about a core value and you think about what is it that you would do in each day that would fully make that core value come to life, what is that practice that is hard for you to do but that is core to that value really being present in your life? Put that up on your refrigerator and think about it every morning. Mm, good. Wonderful. Thank you. Really good. We've been talking to Steve Stapleton and Karma Reuter of the Center for Ethical Leadership. Um, Brother Don, 
had invited you to join their confluence this weekend, and we did find out in the break that their confluence is already filled, but they have many confluences. And uh, your website is? It's www.ethicalleadership.org. And uh, you're welcome to visit it. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, and we'll see you next week.